if you can't feel the presence of the Lord in the room, we just want to pray for you because it's no doubt he was here. And, and when Autumn says there is no junior spirit, that may be the money line of the day. So we can just do the invitation and go home. Sound good? Some of y'all are like, oh yeah, hey. No. Today we're going to talk about sacrifice. We've been in a series called Practice where we've looked at the disciplines such as Sabbath and scripture memory and scripture study and silence and solitude and simple living. And today we're going to wrap that up with looking at sacrifice. And I know we have a message to do, but we've had a lady that has been on our staff for 20 years that has sacrificed a lot of sanity having to work with jokers like me. And uh, last Thursday, Sonia Barnes celebrated 20 years on our staff and on our team. And we want to honor her. So if you would, would you stand and, and applaud her as she comes forward? She, uh, y'all can have a seat. Eric, come on up here too, bud. She told me uh, Monday when we were talking, she said, if you do anything, you're on our list. So um, I'm on her list now and I'm in trouble, but I don't care because this lady is deserving of honor. She's been all over this church as far as being on staff and worked in different offices with different ministers. And one of the reasons why we're so good is because of what she does to support us in the office. Uh, she is very generous and she loves us and she will pray for us. We have three identified crying spots and I believe I'm making it four because I can feel her shoulder shaking where if she and I are talking, she may cry at any given time, but that's just because she loves the Lord and she is such a faithful uh, person on our team. So we just wanted to honor you for 20 years of faithful service. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sam, if you'll do my funeral here in five minutes, that'd be awesome. So. But we wanted to pray for her as a team and as a staff and, and also honor her before the church because Sonia is one of our team members you don't see a lot. And some of y'all, when you call, you, you hear a sweet voice on the phone or maybe you're here on during the week and she'll be the one to answer the door for you. So she's a vital part of our team and we wanted to tell her thank you and pray for her a special honor this morning. So if you'll join us in prayer. Father, we just thank you for Sonia Barnes. We thank you for the gift that she is and the faithful teammate that she has been. We're thankful for her years of service and how she's loved us and cared for us and done everything that she can to propel this church forward, to do whatever it takes to develop disciples of Jesus Christ who gather, grow, and go. God, we thank you that she doesn't need a lot of fanfare and, and probably right now is pretty mad at me. But God, we just thank you so much that your spirit is flowing through her and she loves you and she cherishes you. And we honor her today and pray that you will do a special blessing on her life. God, we thank you for her. We thank you for her gift and her love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. I love you, girl. I am ready. So if you want to apply for campus pastor, the applications start after church, apparently. <laughs> Cali kids, it's been fun. It's been real. Well, we are going to talk about sacrifice today and and you know. We're going to look in the book of Philippians chapter 2. And as we get into that book, Paul writes a very pointed statement right at the beginning. It says, if Christ has meant anything to you. And we've gone over the last several weeks and even several months going back to presence in our series there with experiencing God's presence and now practice. What if God has meant everything to you and we do nothing? 
What if Jesus has totally changed your life or at least given you the opportunity to change your life and you say no? Imagine how lost we would be, how empty we would be. We wouldn't see things like Impact Weekend where our students go and spend just 24 hours with the Lord and come back fired up, unified, ready to to do whatever it takes to grow. We wouldn't see children in the back begging their life group leaders, can we go sing the songs with with Big Church? Can we go back in there? We promise we'll be good. They were awesome. Y'all didn't even know they were there until Autumn said something. We wouldn't see life groups that said, hey, there's always room for one more. We've got one more seat that we would love to fill with your presence. You wouldn't see life groups that would donate and and teams, mission teams going to parts of the country saying, we'll go do whatever it takes somewhere else if we need to. But we want to do something because Christ has meant something to us. I mean, can you imagine the emptiness of the conversation if if Jesus came and sat here and talked to us and, and said, you know what, I really do want you to enjoy a Sabbath. I want you to rest because you're busy and you're tired and I can see how hard you're working. And you look at Jesus and say, no, it's okay, Jesus, it's okay. When I see you in heaven, that'll be my rest. Jesus doesn't want to see you that fast. That's why he gave you the Sabbath. What if Jesus came and said, why don't you come and and read my book and and study the scriptures because they could be life-changing and and they could really make an impact on what you're dealing with. And you said, Jesus, apparently you, you... You have never suffered deadlines. You have never suffered a busy schedule where I'm taking children in 14 different directions and I only have two kids. You don't understand the pressures that are on me. Jesus, you don't know. And then Jesus kindly hands you the Bible and says, perhaps I do read. I mean, imagine what we would do if we did nothing. And for some of us, let's just be honest, a lot of this, this series is really great in theory, but it doesn't mean anything until we're willing to put it on the line and sacrifice our identity with unity in Christ. It doesn't mean anything until we actually take the step out of our comfort zone and out of the direction that we're heading and we go into some other direction that God is leading to us. Then it becomes something of life change. Otherwise, it's just great conversation that we've had for five or six weeks and I love you, but I don't want to just have great conversation. I want to experience life change in myself, in you, in our church, in our ministries, in our community. I mean, how exciting would it be to see this particular area of Middle Tennessee flipped upside down for the cause of Christ to a point where just like it's written in the Bible that there are people arguing going, we don't know what's going on, but they, these Christians are flipping the world upside down. Be like, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what we're doing. Because we love Jesus that much and we know Jesus loves you that much. But we've got to be willing to lay it on the line. We've got to be willing to sacrifice the things that are in the way, keeping us from the freedom that is in Christ Jesus, from the fulfillment that is in Christ Jesus, from salvation that is in Christ Jesus, from everything that you could possibly need. We have to be willing to lay ourselves on the altar and saying, no more am I going to leave here with me. I'm only leaving here with Jesus. And that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. And before you turn me off, let's just stay together in Scripture. Go to Philippians chapter 2. I want to read from the message, so it'll look a little differently. In fact, it'll look a lot differently than what you may read. But let's read in the Bible real quick, just the first four verses. Paul writes here, he says, If there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation in love, if any fellowship with the Spirit... 
If any affection and mercy make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition, ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. And everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Some of you have been in church for a while. Can we talk about the Bible just for a second? I mean, that's kind of what we're doing, I guess. But think about the Bible in two ways. All the stories of the Bible can almost be broken into two categories. We'll say that this category, no relation to you people, so please don't take offense. This category here is everything that we've ever learned about Jesus, but we did absolutely nothing. Stories are written about us in the Bible, not because of what we learned, but what we failed to do with what we learned. We just learned about the rich young ruler just a few days ago. I have all the knowledge of Christ. I've done everything that Christ has commanded me, but I refuse to do the one thing that will give me true fulfillment. I refuse. And not only did he walk away sad, Jesus watched him walk away also sad and dearly loved, wishing that he would do whatever it took. We got people like Ananias and Sapphira. They were in the church. They were on the committees. They were on the the teams. They were doing whatever it takes they thought to develop disciples. And then when it came to, hey, did you guys give all that you could with the sale of your land? Uh, Yeah, sure did. Gone. Sapphira, do you want to answer this? Yeah, we did all we could. Gone. Why are they written about? Because they did what they failed. They actually failed to do what they were asked to do. You got people in the Old Testament. We love David. David can kind of fall into two categories. One category, this one will be over here. Let's go ahead and identify this. These are all the stories that people ever wrote that not only do you know what they learned, but what they did with what they learned. What they did with their relationship with God. These are people like David and Abraham and Moses, giants of our faith. People that are written about in Hebrews chapter 11, the the faith hall of fame. Why are those people written in that book? Because they are the ones that not only learned from God, but they did something with it. They were willing to sacrifice everything about themselves to make sure that they were doing what God had called them to do. But just like I was about to tell you with David and some of these other guys, do you ever notice they're written in both categories? And the difference in why there was one versus the other is the sacrifice they made. When they refused to sacrifice themselves, they did what was wrong. When they sacrificed themselves and did what God had asked them to do, they did what was right. And it was credited to them righteousness. So for us, our challenge is which category do you want to be written in today? Do you want to be in the category where, hey, look, I know about God. I've been in church all my life. Congratulations. Can I tell you something? Scripture tells us even the demons do that. You can know everything about God and do absolutely zero. Denominations and religions are are filled with people like that. We're called to be different. We're called to live out our faith. Some of you are like, but I don't know everything. That's okay. How many times have I stood in this area? We've had conversations in the hallway. We've passed by life groups and we say this. Don't worry about knowing everything. Just live out what you know and God will take care of the rest. And when you do that... This world begins to flip upside down because Christians are doing what God has called them to do. And it's amazing. Let's be a church and let's be a people and let's be brothers and sisters in Christ that we don't care about anything else other than showing the love of Christ and honoring others above ourselves and sacrifice ourselves in the process. I mean, I know some of you, we we joke and I don't want to get too political, but isn't it funny that on political ads, one of the last things or basically one of the things you never see 
is sacrifice. It's all about, look at what I'm going to do. Look at what I'm going to do. Look at what I'm going to do. And I understand that's a purpose behind the, the ad. I'm not all, all that misplaced on my, my views. But what if a politician walked up to you and said, hey, look, I may have some different beliefs, but what's best for God's kingdom in our country is this. I'm going to go do that. What if we as a Christian walked up to our outside world and maybe the person at the grocery store, maybe the waiter or waitress, and, hey, we don't always agree, but right now we just want to pray for you. And we want to humble ourselves and pray for you, whatever you've got going on. That humility, that sacrifice could be life-changing. Man, it could be something else. So really our first thing to really look at, if you're taking notes this morning, is to ask yourself the same question we started with. What difference has Christ made in your life? If Christ has made any difference in your life, how do I know? What is it about you? What is it about the life that you live that I can definitely tell that Christ has made a difference in your life? Church attendance doesn't always tell me. The size of your Bible doesn't always tell me. The amount of offering that you put in the plate doesn't tell me. The number of mission trips that you've been on doesn't always tell me. What does tell me is when you start telling me your stories about how you used to be and how Jesus intervened and how your life has changed. When I begin to see you do things that are clearly things that Jesus did in the Bible and you are mirroring everything that Jesus did in the Bible, but you're doing it in your context, in your community. Sometimes you tell me more of your love for Christ outside of the walls of this church than you do inside the walls of this church. It's a beautiful thing when we see the difference that Christ has made in somebody else. I love social media. One of my favorites, his name is Rodney. He's, he's a guy going around the country. I have no clue if he loves Jesus or not, but he clearly has had some Jesus in his life somewhere because he is mowing lawns of thousands upon thousands of people around this country. All because he said, you know what? There are women and, and there are single women. There are elderly. There are, there are disabled vets and there are people down on their luck and there are people that, man, just the gift of a mowed yard could make the difference. And so he's been doing it for the last 18 months. And, I mean, he's got kids around the country doing it. I don't know if he loves Jesus, but you know what? I think Jesus has made a difference in his life because he's seen some things like that. James 2.19, when we talked about earlier, even demons believe. I don't want to be in the category of an even demon. I don't want to be known as this, you know, he's a Christian, but he's kind of like that demon over there. I don't want to be known like that. I want to be different. I want to show you that Christ has made a difference. And can I tell you as a pastor, sometimes it's really hard to tell you that Christ has been a difference maker in my life, not because I don't want to, but because you expect me to do it. And so sometimes I have to work extra hard to show you the ways that Christ has done it. But one of the things that I love about it is sometimes you don't know what I do, but I can see Christ has changed your life because of something that's done for you or around you. Maybe it's a prayer. And that makes all the difference to me because I've seen Christ work. So whether I get glory or not, or whether I get honor or not, I really don't care. Because if Jesus gets glory, that I do care about. And that's what we need to do. We need to be able to live our lives in such a way that maybe nobody posts anything about social media on us. Maybe nobody does a a, a little 30-second ad on the news or anything about us. But if we walk to heaven, man, I would love to say when Jesus gets there and he says, hey, I want to show you something. Come, Come over here for a second. Come here. You see all these people over there? You know that difference that I made in your life and you began to live out your faith in front of people? All these people are here in heaven because you started something. 
because you did this, this person did that. And you just see the domino effect of everything because we just made a difference in somebody's life. Remembering not for our glory, but for the glory of God. The second thing that we probably need to work on is how we agree with one another. Not only that Christ makes a difference in our lives, but we actually agree with one another when it comes to unity of our faith. Let's go back to John 17. You can just listen to it real quick. John 17, Jesus is praying. And this is right before he goes to the cross. And Jesus is praying. He says this. He says, I'm not praying only for them, but also for those that will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become of one heart and one mind, just as Father, you and I are of one. So they might be of one heart and one mind, just like us, so that in the, world may not, the, the world might believe that you, in fact, have sent me. The same glory that you gave me, I now give to them, so they will be unified together as we are, I and them and you and me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness, and they'll give the godless world evidence that you sent me and loved them in the same way that you love me. Jesus is praying, I want to know that what my work here is, I just want them to be one. I want them to be unified. If you needed an example of what that looks like, then, then go ask Eric about our student ministry over the last 24 hours. What does unification look like? That means people coming from different sides of the world, different sides of the tracks, different de- demographics and ethnic groups, and just everything different. We just come together for one reason and one reason alone, and that's the glory of Jesus Christ. To learn, to love, and to go live it out. We say it a lot. Our student ministry should not be leading our church. Our church should be leading our student ministry. And I say that not because our students can't be great leaders. We have some fantastic leaders. We have some amazing volunteers and staff that work with our teenagers time and time again. And they will tell you faster than I can what amazing leaders are in our teenagers, teenagers right now. But adults, it's, it's, it's our turn to lead. We need to be investing in them. We need to be intentional about pouring into them. We need to show them what leadership looks like beyond being a teenager. We need to be agreeable with one another. I've seen too many Christians that they will throw down because we have a differences of political opinion. That is just a cry and shame. I've seen Christians fight over parking spaces. I've seen Christians disagree about movies to a point of friendships really being tense. But you know what? This is a place of safety that when you walk in these doors, you can disagree with everything about me. But the one thing that we need to agree on is Jesus is king and we love him. Some of you, you have not seen the best of church. Can I, can I just pause and take a little sidetrack? I got the microphone. It doesn't matter what you think anyway. <laughs> Some of you have seen the worst of church. You've seen Christians chew on each other, destroy each other. And for what? To be right? I want to tell you something about the fellowship, and we're not perfect. Let's just start there, okay? But there's one thing I've seen about our church that really has just really got me fired up about both campuses right now. We agree way more than we disagree. And when we come in here and worship, when we sing a song like Lean Back, when you turn around, you see hands raised of every generation, we agree way more than we disagree. Because what you'll find here at the fellowship, and we still got a long way to go, but we love Jesus, just like so many churches. But when you come into this place, I'm telling you right now, we want Jesus to have his glory more than we want our own. 
And if you've seen the worst in church, we pray that you will continue to come and to be our guest and to join as a ministry partner with us because we want to show you the best of Jesus by what the difference he's made in our lives. Next ministry partner meeting is in December. Just throwing it out. But But Jesus calls us to live differently. Jesus doesn't call us to what he hasn't, hasn't done. Do you ever notice in scripture, Jesus gets really rattled when it comes to the Pharisees and and really rattled to some of the religious leaders. It's not because he thinks they're morons. It's not because he thinks that they are the worst of the worst, the scum of the earth. Why he gets so passionate, why he gets so mad, why he even uses terms like hypocrite is not to put them down. It's because he's trying to show them how brokenhearted he is because they're missing out on the whole point of him being here. And for some of us, if all we do is come and punch a ticket and we don't care about agreeing with one another, we don't care about unifying together in the spirit, all we're doing is punching our ticket, then we're missing out on what God has done. And it's time for us to sacrifice our agenda and pick up the other agenda of others. And let's lock arm in arm. And let's just watch what Jesus does together. I love that I saw some students holding hands. I saw some people raising hands together. I love it because that means there's unification happening. We don't care what we look like. We don't care who's any, what you got and how you got it. We just want to worship Jesus together, and we're putting you ahead of ourselves. And I love what Justin put in the notes here. Jesus won't call you to anything that he won't equip you to accomplish. If you say, man, it's really tough to agree with other people, I promise you Jesus is going to empower you to be able to do that. How is he going to do that? Well, he's given us the practices by Sabbath, by resting. When we're, when we're tired and we're cranky, it's hard to be agreeable. Some of you, you live with a person like that. Callie, I apologize. <clears throat> Some of us, we, we don't know any scripture, so when somebody asks a question, we don't feel confident because we don't know what the Bible says. Some of us, we, we have so much noise, it's hard to get silent and just kind of be in the moment. Some of us, we are so worried about keeping up the Joneses, we don't realize it's simple living that could really make an impact. And some of us are so busy getting ours and what we feel belongs to us that we're not willing to put anything on the table and allow God to use it for his glory and his kingdom. Koinia is the Greek word for fellowship. Some of you are very familiar with that term. That is not something that we created. That is something that the Holy Spirit created for us. For us to be in Koinia and for us to have that fellowship and community with other people, we have to understand that God gave us love. Jesus gives us the grace and the Holy Spirit puts us in a place to experience both. To have fellowship, to have that Koinia, to have that opportunity to be in that place means that we have to release what we think. We have to release what we believe and just be in the presence of God. Because what he says and what we need to believe in him is way more important. And the last thing that we probably need to work on is, again, to put the, the needs of others ahead of our own. Going back to Philippians 5, verses 8, 5 through 8, that we would adopt the same attitude of that of Christ, who existing, uh, existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Anybody seen um, Passion of the Christ? It's been, been out for a long time. Thought about showing you a clip, but it's a little gruesome. And some of you, you know, it's just, it's probably a little too much, but I think we could still talk about it. 
When you say, well, what has Jesus done for me lately? You go watch that movie and you can see exactly what Jesus did for you in a, in a human depiction of what happened. Justin and I were watching a video the other day and we're like, man, do we use this? Do we not? And we we kind of went back and forth. But we're in that moment where Jesus is being whipped before going to the cross. And we see the, the soldiers and we see the intensity on the soldier's face and we, we, we know that it's fake. It's just actors acting. But in the moment when you can release yourself and think that this could possibly be exactly what happened, you see Jesus being bruised for our iniquities. When he was torn for our sins, when he was beaten and he was bloodied. And then I think I can't sacrifice anything. What's wrong with me? Why can't I put others above myself when Jesus was willing to do that? Why can't I just give a little more? Why can't I serve a little more? Why can't I just give up a little time? Why can't I just make more time for scripture? Why can't I do this when he was willing to do everything for me? Because when we have proper perspective, we can see that sacrifice, we're not hurting like Jesus hurt. Jesus is not calling us to the same degree in which he was willing to go. So before I think that my sacrifice is the end all, I need to humble myself and realize whatever I think hurts, Jesus' pain and sacrifice went even further. And so then you say, well, well Scott, what do we do? What do how are we supposed to sacrifice? I'm so glad you asked. Let's sacrifice our time by fasting. Matthew 4, 4 says, it is, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need to be willing to pause and back up and sacrifice time and space and go be with God. For some of you, that means the very simple things. And we're not going to get into a deep theological conversation about fasting. We don't have enough time. But let me just put it in the simplest form possible. Go grab your Bible, a bottle of water, and take your lunch hour and just go be with the Lord. Find a corner, find a park, find your parked car, find somewhere in your house. And you just go be with the Lord for that lunch hour and you just read scripture and you pray and you journal and you just see what the Lord tells you. Some of you are fasting, you, you have this discipline, you love this discipline because it gives you an opportunity to go before the Lord, not only for what you're dealing with, but you go fast for other people and decisions that are coming up or situations that you know that you are not the solution, but God is the solution. So you go spend time with him and you sacrifice your personal gain by lunch and you go spend it with the Lord. This is not a, like a weight loss deal, like, hey, I've been trying to lose weight anyway. This is a spiritual exercise for you to go be with the Lord because I promise you, the lunch that you give up over time as you develop and you hear the Lord, you will gain way more than you could with that one lunch. But you sacrifice the time of whatever you were going to do and you go be in the presence of the Lord and let him speak to you. Because that time, that investment, it's going to hurt because you're going to get hungry later on. But you know what? God will fulfill you because man does not live on bread alone, but every word that the Lord breathes. And when you learn to discipline your body and you learn to discipline your life and spend that time with the Lord, I promise you, God will sustain you. He will fill you with something way greater than anything you could eat at lunch or breakfast, maybe dinner, whenever God calls you to just go spend time with him. But we sacrifice our time and go be in the presence of the Lord. That is a tall order for some of us. That is a huge request. But you know what? What would be better? 
sacrificing a little time and hearing from the Lord or walking through life not even sure if God's real. I think I'm going to go sacrifice some time. This could be daily, it could be weekly, it could be whatever you need to do. That's between you and the Lord. And we could have deeper conversations about that later. But you pray about God. Maybe what, what's a good time for me and you just to fast and just to spend time together? I think you need to sacrifice your, your talents and you serve the Lord. First Peter says this. He says in, in First Peter 4, 8 to 10, it says, Above all, maintain consistent love for one another, consistent love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. You are uniquely wired and gifted to do something. We're not all called to preach. We're not all called to teach. We're not all called to to go and, and to missions. We're not all called to sing and lead worship. We're not all called to play the instruments. We're not all called to do different things, but God has uniquely gifted and wired you to do something. What is that talent that you could put and utilize for his kingdom? Whether it be inside or outside of the walls of this church, sacrifice your talents for your glory and sacrifice your honor that you would receive from said talents and go give it to God and let him do whatever he needs to do with it. Maybe you just need to serve within our ministries. Maybe you need to start a ministry that has nothing to do with our church, but has everything to do with God's kingdom. Then we will cheer you on. Whatever the case may be that you would serve. I loved it. We had almost 175 people last week serve at Harvest Hoopla. It's amazing. Life groups. Some of you, all your life groups surrounded by a car, we probably would have made you feel better if we gave you space heaters or something. But it was just awesome to see about 175 of us somehow serving, donating to the cause. Here's my question. Where were the rest of you? I know, guilt trip. But think about it. Where were you? Maybe you're saying, well, I served somewhere else, and that's awesome. Praise the Lord. But if you have not served the Lord in a capacity, let me just brotherly love you, pastor, encourage you, serve the Lord. Find a, a place and a space and go serve the Lord because your talent is special and unique for somebody that needs to see the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. If you hold it and you don't give it and you don't sacrifice it, then the world is missing out on something that God has clearly gifted you to do. And maybe you say, I need teaching, I need training, I need encouragement. Welcome to the fellowship. That's what we're here for. But let's, let's do what God has given us the ability to do. Let's put our talents. I mean, we used to joke about LeBron James. Like, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach. Man, how awesome would it be if we did a little video of service and you said, I'm going to take my talents to Donaldson. I'm going to go up here to Donaldson Middle and I'm just going to do whatever God calls me to do. I'm just going to show up until they give me a job. I'm going to go to that firehouse down the street. I'm just going to pray over every fireman that needs somebody to be praying for. I'm going to go to my family and I'm going to sacrifice my talent in my time, and I'm just going to serve my family because God has wired me to love my family, and I haven't been doing it. Whatever the case may be, and we could go through all kinds of stories and scenarios, whatever talent God has given to you, go use it for his kingdom and sacrifice your glory and honor. The last one is resources. Everybody hold on to your wallet, okay? We've already taken the offering. Nobody needs to panic. We're all good? As soon as pastor or preacher starts talking about money, everybody gets, whoop, relax. We're all good. The doors are unlocked, okay? All right. 
But let's talk about tithing, sacrificial giving, because one of the biggest ways that we can sacrifice is our personal investment of our resources into God's kingdom. That is called tithing and sacrificial giving. Mark chapter 2, or excuse me, Mark chapter 12, 41 through 44 says, Jesus sat down opposite. This is the widow's mite story. He sits down opposite place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came by and put in two very small copper coins, only worth a few cents. Calling his disciples over, him, over to him, he said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. This is a beautiful picture of, of Jesus sitting there. And some of you are like, well, that's not really pretty. It's Jesus kind of playing guard. No, it's a beautiful picture of what's really important to Jesus. And you're like, two pennies? No, you missed the point. Jesus said she gave everything. And she was willing to sacrifice her own well-being, put her resources into the hands of Jesus, and let God do whatever he needs to do. There were no obligations. There were no instructions. There were no, hey, God, can you bless me with $20 later down the road? There was nothing in there other than, God, I give it and I place it into your hands. Some of us, if I can be so bold, some of us just do what we barely can do. Some of us are, are sacrificial givers, going where until it hurts. Imagine if we all chipped in and we all said, we're going to just, we're going to sacrifice our resources, pull it together. Imagine the investment that we could make in our church, in this community, and around the globe. Imagine what we could do with ministries and, and functions and different things. Imagine the opportunities that would present itself if we put in our resources well beyond money, too. Money is not the only resource in which we, we have. What if we all pulled our resources together and said, God, here is what we are giving to you today. You multiply it and you get glory and you get honor. Man, how this world will be flipped upside down. See, because the deal is not about, man, he's talking about money and I've got to give up more money. And No, I'm talking about sacrificing your personal well-being because when Jesus takes care of you, Jesus is going to take care of you way more than you think. When you begin to find the love of Jesus and you say, I'm going to sacrifice my time and my talents and my resources, I have a feeling and my conviction is that Jesus will not just bleed you dry, but Jesus will empower you with more responsibility and more time and more resources and more opportunities, not dollar for dollar or nothing like that. We're not getting into that kind of theology. But what I'm saying is that Jesus will make you a manager because you have shown him great love and conviction that Jesus is more important than you. And when we're willing to sacrifice ourselves, man, this world's going to flip upside down. So we have to ask ourselves in our reflection time, I want you to challenge yourself to ask three questions. The first question is, is really probably one of the most important because some of you walked in here and you're not even sure who Jesus is. And I just want to ask you very plainly, have I sacrificed my ways for the cause of Christ, for Jesus' ways? Have I been willing to lay my life on the line and put it on the hands of Jesus and allow him to do whatever he needs to do? Man, that's a tough question. This isn't about singing a song and knowing that God is good. This is about actually experiencing his goodness. But I've got to be willing to lay myself here and sacrifice saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. 
The second question is very similar. It says, you have to ask yourself, have I sacrificed my will and unified my will with the life of Christ? Have I been one that said, I need to be agreeable? I need to agree with Jesus. Even though it may feel weird and even though it may, it's a little awkward from time to time. Because Jesus said it, I will do it because it's not my will but his. Maybe you've given your heart, but you need to follow it up by practicing the ways of Jesus. Not my will, but your will. And the third one, all plans hand in hand. It's almost three redundant questions. But the third one is very similar. It says, am I willing to sacrifice my honor and glory? Am I willing to sacrifice my kingdom, my throne, so that I can bring Jesus glory by looking to the needs of others and raising the arms of others that need him the most? Those are really three similar yet tough questions. So this morning, as we begin our time of response, I want to challenge you. We're going to sing and, and we'll, we'll be here. This altar is going to be open. Altars were, were made not so just we could just come here and have a place to stand, but so we could lay things at the feet of Jesus and never look back. So if you would say, hey, I've never given my life to Christ, would you come forward today and find one of our prayer partners at either side, myself, Eric, others will be available for you, and just allow us to just speak into your life a little bit and tell you the beautiful thing that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you sacrifice you for that relationship with Christ because it is an eternal decision that will always pay awesome dividends because God's involved. Would you say, you know what, Scott, I've given my life to Christ, but I really am still trying to do my way. I'm really still trying to do the things that, that please me. And this morning, I need to just kind of place my will on the altar and just say, Jesus, not my will, but thy will be done. You come up here and have personal prayer time. Bring a friend with you if you need to. Maybe you go to the communion tables and you say, God, I need to re-identify myself with you this morning and saying, not my will, but your will. And maybe some of us were like, you know, I'm serving, but I'm serving for my glory. Maybe you just need to say, hey, I need to stop serving for my glory. And I just need to start giving the glory to God and lifting others up. Prayerfully, something resonated with you this morning. You say, you know what, here's, here's my next step. Maybe I need to give my life to Christ. Maybe I need to serve in a ministry. Maybe I just need to, to really pray about more of donating resources and sacrificing resources, whatever God has called you to do. But you pray about it and you come right here and just pray and say, God, what is my next step? And you and God deal with that. Staff, prayer partners, we are available for you. But this is your step. Much like Peter had to step out of the boat, We're going to have to step out of the aisle and come forward. But never once has anybody sacrificed something to the Lord that God has not rewarded somehow. And I encourage you, whatever that needs to be today, promise you, somehow, some way, God will reward you for that sacrifice. And if nothing else, he's given you the greatest reward of ever. If we have a relationship with him, we will not perish, but have eternal life with him. If that's all that God rewards me with, I'm golden. I'm good.